0: So we are still in chapter 3, the long chapter 3, and we are in the fifth preface. The fifth preface was about, remember what it was about? Knowing that Hashem runs the world in a certain way where there are many steps involved in procuring your needs, and that there are two reasons for that. One is to... Test us to make sure that you won't just take the easy way out and violate Hashem's laws in order to get what you need, or to think you're going to get what you need by doing that. The other one is to keep us busy because uh, you know it's not good to have nothing to do, not good to be idle. It's a formula for trouble. That's the second reason. And then Rebbeinu Bechais says, but if You are righteous. Really, those two reasons don't apply to you. So there's no reason that you should have to be bothered with going through all the trouble, all the different steps and stages of meeting your needs. It should just come to you fully delivered. Ah, but we see sometimes that doesn't work out that way. So then, this was last class, we had a whole long explanation of, really, we don't know why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper when that happens. But... Um, here are some possible explanations why sometimes it could happen that way. You remember this. This is the last class. It's not an absolute explanation, because really there is no explanation, but Rabbeinu B'chayi is simply illustrating to us by way of example that it's a very complex um, parsha, and it's, uh, you know, Hashem has many, many cheshbeinus, many calculations going on, and somehow in the end it all bounces out. Okay? Fine. Not it balances out, it's exactly 100% <laughs> meticulously correct, even though we can't follow the math. Okay, it's a, it's a calculus that is beyond human comprehension. All right, that, that was what we covered last night. All right, now, let's continue. Everybody is clear? So far, so good? Everything made sense, what we said? Any questions, comments, complaints? Okay, so let's continue. The cave in a Gilgul alasibais albnei adam Having demonstrated the need for man to strive for the means of a livelihood. Right, that's what we did. Nivoirato, <inaudible> now we're going to explain. Ki ain kol adam lachazer sibo Not every man is obliged to explore every one of those means. This is a classic question. Maybe I could make a living this way, that way. Maybe I have to leave no stone unturned. Maybe I have to pursue every possible means of making a living. Rebbeinu B'chayi says, no, not necessary. Why? Ki hasibais rabais. Because there are many ways, many means, for making a living. Mehen nikalois shetorchin ma'at. Some of them are easy, requiring little effort. <inaudible> like shopkeeping, yad <inaudible> Or handicrafts, like sewing or stitching, the <inaudible> hasafros or writing, the itza hamisharim, wholesale supply, That's not being the uber driver, that's being the uber app. You're the one who contracts out the workers. People who do, okay, so they're not, they're not Uber drivers. They're, they're farmers. But meaning, not being the farmer himself, but being the guy who, you know, the, what do they call it? The, the, the employment agency? Yeah? The temp agency? Yeah. So those are easy jobs. Those are light jobs. Then there are means of getting, uh, making a living, which entail Toil and burden, ki like being a tanner, min might say ahem or taking out iron and copper and uh, lead. That's what does it mean? Taking it out, extracting it from the ground, being a miner. It's called a miner. or uh, refining silver by smelting it with lead, or being a shlapper, a porter, somebody who carries things, you know, a mover, tamid, or someone who travels long distances for a living, you know, like a long-haul trucker or a public speaker, or working the land and plowing it, the or anything like that. This sounds like uh, one of those tests that the uh, guidance counselor gives you, right? <laughs> Which job would you like? Okay. The someone whose body is strong, but his mind is weak. Riley Mehen Mashiyeshba Mina Yagiya Kifishi Yahalis Bail. He's suited for an occupation that, that, that demands physical exertion within the limits that he can bear. Umishahu Khalash bagu, one who is weak in his body, the the Hakarase Hazaka, and his mind is strong. Al Yavakish Masibais Haterefma. He shouldn't seek a means for employment that would wear out his body. He should seek out something, you should tend toward something which would be easy on his body and uh, which he'll be able to sustain. The, the point is that Hashem made everybody different and you should take that into consideration when looking for a means for a livelihood. It's not like you have to say, well, I need to make a cleave for Parnosa, right? You have to, there has to be a shtadlis. Well, they're hiring for, uh, they want want to hire for a, uh, they need a a, a trainer at, at, at the gym. Well, you know, if you're if you're really interested in making a clever parnosa, you can't say no to that. You gotta go you know, go apply to be a trainer at the gym, right? Okay. You can't do two push-ups, but you're gonna be the trainer at the gym. Okay, fine. Every person has a has a preference for a particular occupation or a business over another. Now we're talking about preference. Before, we're talking about capability. Now we're, we're getting a, even a little bit uh, more exacting. Even preference. What you, what you like. K'var hidbiyah ava vichiba. Hashem has already implanted within His nature, the person's nature, love and affection for it. <speaking in Hebrew> and the same with all living creatures, he implanted within the cat a talent for trapping mice. Not just a talent, a, a an enjoyment that the cat enjoys trapping mice. He likes it. He has, you know, the kind of cat needed to make. A, they don't need to make a living, but because people feed them, because they're domesticated, if they're domesticated. You know, they say there are two kinds of people, there are cats and dogs. Right? Cat people, dog people. That doesn't mean people like cats, people like dogs. It means people who are like cats, people who are like dogs. What is a person who's like a dog? So, dog says, wow, look at this human, you know, their, their master, who feeds me, and gives me shelter, and Takes care of me and uh, keeps me safe. They must be God. Right? And that's a dog thinks. He looks at his master. It's, this must be God. Then there's the cat. The cat says, look at this being that takes care of me and feeds me, cleans up after me, <laughs> does everything for me. Wow. I must be God. That's what the cat says. Okay. Anyway, that's also connected to shatabatachen previously, yeah. But uh, right here what are we talking about? The the cat was given uh, an enjoyment of trapping mice. And so too people were given an enjoyment they like certain types of jobs. if And then the hawk has the instinct to hunt the birds that are fit for it. And the deer likes to hunt snakes. I didn't know that, by the way. Maybe in North America the deer are different. I wasn't... I didn't. The deer in Chicago where I grew up didn't hunt snakes. It seemed like sometimes they were hunting the headlights of oncoming cars, but I don't know about them hunting snakes. Okay, But maybe in Spain they did. You have birds who specialize. They only like to trap fish. You tell these birds, why do you diversify? What's wrong with trapping some rodents from time to time? And the bird says, no, really, I just like to trap fish. Okay? And that's good. That's fine, because that's what he likes to do. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> Thus, within the nature of each animal species, there is implanted a liking and desire for a certain kind of plant or animal. Which is ordained as its natural source of sustenance. The configuration of its body and limbs is suited for that thing. As for example, for instance, the long bill and legs of the bird that catches fish. There's a bird that has a long, a long bill and long legs and it catches fish. What's that what are you talking about there? Is it the pelican? You ever heard the poem The Pelican? A very fine bird is a pelican. His beak can hold more than his belly can. There's more to it, but that's what my father told me. Zolga told me that when I was a kid. I remember that one. Yeah, someone could Google it. Um, fine. So that bird is anatomically suited for the kind of parnasa that he likes, or maybe he likes the kind of parnasa that he's anatomically suited for. I think that's probably more what we're saying, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. ari. or like the strong teeth and claws of the lion. He's very suited for what he does. or the horns of the ox and the ram. On the other hand, animals whose sustenance comes from plant life are not provided with the tools of the hunt and prey. Right? A vegetarian, what do they call it, an herbivore? An herbivore doesn't need to have sharp claws. He just eats plants, right? But a carnivore needs sharp claws because that's what he needs in order to get the kind of parnosa that he likes. Okay? So that's just a natural thing that exists in the world, that every being is made with a certain proclivity toward the kind of that that's suited for him. Similarly, you will find among human beings that different personalities and physiques are predisposed toward certain trades and occupations. Whoever discovers within his personality and nature an attraction to a particular trade and his body is fit for it and can endure its difficulty, he should pursue it and make it his means of earning a livelihood. Remember baby Jessica eighties children will remember remember baby Jessica? she fell in the well. you remember how they got her out in the end? She was in a little narrow little pipe, and nobody could get in there and they couldn 't use like machines because it would be too dangerous, and nobody could, it was too narrow, no one could reach in there and Then they found a guy i i 'm remembering this from. Beshaita, when it happened, okay? I don't remember how old I was. I think it was probably eight years old. Go look up if it happened in 1982. I'm just thinking I was eight years old. And if if indeed it happened in 1982, then I was eight years old. Okay. Now you know how old I am. Don't identity theft me. Okay? And I'm not going to say my social security on the air to show how confident I am in this product. You know that that guy from the secure lock or whatever it was got his identity stolen like ten times? Okay. 1987. Okay, thank you very much. So then I was 12, 13. Okay. Um, You know who got baby Jessica out of the well? This is how I remember it. There was a guy with no collarbones. There's no collarbones. He just had arms coming right out of his neck. He didn't have shoulders. He didn't have a collarbone. He was born for this, and he was the guy. He was able to reach in and take baby Jessica out of the well. Okay. So that's like a case where really it's obvious, by the way I don't think he made a living doing that afterwards it wasn't like after that there were like you should go to all the places where okay, but and maybe that was a bad example anyways <laughs> the point is that each one of us were endowed with certain talents and a certain constitution and all of these things need to be taken into account, again I really like this, It's this, this is very gentle stuff, this is like going with the grain going with my nature I can I can definitely handle this okay Umiridusa. he should accept its sweetness as well as its bitterness because even the job that you're suited for and that you're built for it's not it's not all peaches and cream the and he shouldn't be discouraged if his income is denied him, an occasion, an occasion. Ahjiiv Belakim, he should trust in Hashem, She asked Tarpe Kol Yeme Chaev that he will provide for him his sustenance all the days of his life. The cave in Biirdisli vefe bebuminaha. When he is occupied in mind and body with one of the means of earning a living, let his intent be to fulfill the commandment of the Creator who has commanded man to engage in worldly means. Such as working the soil, plowing and sowing it. Like it says, Hashem took the man, the first man, Adam, and He put him in the garden, in Gan Eden, to work it and to keep it. So whatever it is, take a job that's suited to you, and then when you do it, just have in mind that you're fulfilling Hashem's will. That Hashem wants us to work. (inaudible) <inaudible> <inaudible> Hashem has commanded men to make use of the other living creatures for his benefit and sustenance, to build cities and prepare foods, to marry, to be fruitful and multiply. Right? So these are all things, these are relatively mundane things. I mean, not relatively mundane, these are really mundane things. But this is the way of the world. This is what Hashem commanded us to do. He will be rewarded for the intent of his heart and mind to perform these for God's sake. Whether or not he carries out his desire as it is written, as it is written, you will eat by the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you will be happy, and it will be well with you. And our sages of blessed memory say, all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. So, even when you are doing what you got to do, meaning making a living, have in mind this is the way Hashem wanted life to be. And his trust in God will be complete. And he will not be harmed at all by the search for the means of a livelihood, if in his heart and mind he intends them for the sake of heaven. You gotta do what you gotta do. This is the system Hashem made. So you do something that's suited to you, and... You have in mind that this is is what Hashem wants people doing, and that's it, and it'll be okay. You're not going to have to do anything crazy or anything that's not suited for you or anything that would, obviously, nothing that would make you compromise your values or your morals. You should not think that your livelihood depends on a particular source, and that if that source were to fail, there would be no other way to, to, to earn a living. Because that's not the way it is. You're not getting your living from that source. It's just uh, a conduit. You know, they say about Shabbos. This is more about Shabbos, but in general. Uh, that uh, You don't work on Shabbos, so how are you going to make a living? If you only work six days out of, out of, out of the week, you, you're going you're gonna to miss out on income that you could have made if you worked seven days a week. So there's an old marshal, the seedim say, that is a samovar, you know, like the you know tea thing, you know. And it has little spigots on it where you, you know, you, the tea comes out. So imagine it has six spigots on it. And a guy says, you know what, I want to get more water out of it. So he puts a seventh spigot on it. Is it gonna produce more water because you put a seventh spigot on it? No. Still gives the same amount of water. So if you think that the job, if you don't have this job now, you're not going to have the parnosa. That's like saying, if I don't have that spigot, that I won't have the water. The water is the water. Okay, the spigot is just the the means for accessing the water. But the the, the doesn't come from doesn't come from uh, the job. There's a question here. I'll, I'll get to the question. Sure. One second. Let's just finish here. So don't think that, that the, the Parnassah is coming from a particular source. Avol rather, yivtach al Trust in Hashem, bitarpai regarding your livelihood. Ve'yeda ki'asibais kulen For Hashem, all the different means to making a living are the same. It's not harder for Him to sustain you if you work this type of job or that type of job. So don't get hung up on the particular job. He'll support you by whatever means he wants, at any time he wants, in any way he wants. Like it says, Nothing can prevent Hashem from saving, whether by many or by few and it says, He's the one who gives you power to become prosperous. and it says, Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the God of hosts. So don't get so hung up. Bottom line, find a job that you're suited for. Do it because this is the natural way that the world works. And that's it. That's it. Hashem will use that as the, as the pipeline. Okay. There's a question here. I'm having a hard time with yesterday's lesson. I followed, understood the depth of the other lessons, understanding that everything that happens to us is for our good, and Hashem always takes care of us, and we trust only in Him. So it's hard to understand all the reasons why the tzaddik has suffering in this world, all the reasons why Hashem would punish the righteous in this world. If everything is for the good, why see anything as punishment? It's hard for me, especially where I'm at in my life. I lived with active addiction for over three decades, and trying hard to do the next right thing for myself and my family, and seeing... Uh, I want to make it more anonymous, but seeing a, a relative who is a true tzaddik with, with Yerushalayim and is struggling with, with an illness. And several parts, yeah, okay. And he, and accepting that he's suffering for klal Yisrael or for past sins, it's very sad, hard to accept. Rather, if we know that everything, including pain and challenges, are for our good, it's more bearable and able to trust. Can you please clarify it? Okay. So, here's a very important lesson. Everything we've said about understanding why the righteous suffer. And remember, yesterday I told you that that, the point of it was not a philosophical discussion. We're not really trying to answer that question. Okay, We're dealing with it in context, in the context of understanding our obligation to work and make a living, okay? So it's not really, don't think that that was an attempt to settle that question. In fact, Rabbi B'chaia says explicitly at the very beginning, I'm not settling this question. This is not a philosophical question. I'm dealing with it just practically in terms of the bottom line is that we have to know that sometimes you do everything right and you still have to work Okay, and this is how you should take it. Emotionally, this is how you should deal with the fact that you're doing everything right and you still have to work and maybe you have to work very hard and and this is why that might happen. But he was not trying to explain why bad things happen to good people and I told you that yesterday and I'm going to repeat it again. But since you ask it and since it's on our minds and since people are still suffering in this gullus Let me share one thing with you. A catch-all, a general rule, a klal gadol. Any explanation that you ever learn that helps you to better come to terms with the pain and suffering in this world is not meant for you to apply to others. It's only meant for you to apply to yourself. You know, there's an expression... To accept suffering with love. You can only accept that which was sent to you. If UPS comes and delivers uh, a, a new laptop to me that my neighbor ordered through, uh, through uh, Amazon, but has the, the, the UPS made a mistake and he put it on my porch, am I allowed to take it and keep it? No, because it wasn't sent to me. Same thing, if Hashem sends suffering to me, I can accept it, because it's for me, it's my teacher. It's to elevate me, it's good for me somehow. But if Hashem sends suffering to somebody else, can I accept it? No, it's unacceptable. I can accept my suffering, because my suffering benefits me when I accept it. But what benefit does it do anyone when I accept somebody else's suffering? So when it comes to observing other people, who are suffering? Our answer has to be like Avram Avino. Hashevet kala mishpat, Will the judge of the whole world not do justice? So it's a little bit of a, you have to play both sides. When it comes to my suffering, Hashem, whatever you gotta do, you gotta kick me again, do whatever you gotta do, I love you. When it comes to others, what good is it gonna, how is it gonna build my character to watch somebody else get kicked? Unacceptable. I hope that I hope that helps. Okay, thank you everyone. Hashem. We will begin next week with chapter four. We finished chapter three, Hashem. Thank you. Good night.